Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Photo Taco. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me. My name is Jeff Harmon. I'm the hobbyist editor at ImprovePhotography.com and the host of this podcast. If you haven't joined our Facebook group yet, pause the podcast now, head over to Facebook.com slash groups slash Photo Taco and join it. Go ahead. We'll wait. Okay. You done? Good. All right. Good. Let's move on. Today's topic is part two of to DNG or not to DNG. The first episode talking about DNG, I introduced what the file format is and why it is Adobe thinks you should be using it. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of the reasons not to use it, the cons and the myths. Let's get going. As explained in the first episode on DNG, the reason I started on this topic was a blog post by Tom Hogarty, director of all things photography at Adobe. He authored a post called DNG Pros, Cons, and Myths. And now let's go through the cons and myths. The pros was last episode. All right, so cons. The first one that he listed there, the time it takes to convert to DNG. Oh my goodness, does it add some time. Now, Lightroom is already horribly slow on import. I don't know what they're doing to make it so slow, but uh, Jim Harmer did an excellent video that you can catch on YouTube if you search for uh, Lightroom is 600% slower. You'll see his video that he has out there. And he, he shows in the video how slow Lightroom is compared to other programs importing the same raw files. So he imported raws and it took 600% longer in Lightroom than the, an, any other software package. And it was even slower than that compared to some others. So it's already slow. And if on top of it, you want it to do DNG, it's going to add even more time. Because what it's going to do on import, if you copy into Lightroom as DNG, it's one of the options in the import screen, it's going to read... <coughs> <coughs> It's going to read the raw files and then it's going to convert it to the DNG format and put the raw data into that format. And that takes a long time to do. So you plan on having that take a lot longer than you're even used to now. If you've never done convert to DNG and import, it takes a long, long time. Longer than you're even used to without DNG. Okay, so that is a very serious con. That adds a lot more time, and that's money. <laughs> if you're in a business, time is money. All right, next con, DNG compatibility with other programs. And they really kind of backpedal on this. Tom really kind of backpedaled and was like, it's not that big a deal. DNG is an open format, which I explained in the last episode, and that's true. And some programs do read DNG files. Capture One is one of them that he even mentions in the blog post. But it's not universal. It's not standard. It's not taken over like Adobe had hoped. So yeah, if you copy your raw files to DNG and then you delete those raw files, and boy, you'd really want to because having both around is a lot of drive space. DNG files are a little bit smaller. That was another pro from last week. But to keep both is really adding a lot of space. So if you delete those RAWs and you only have the DNG, it really is, at least today, going to limit your options of what other 
post-processing software you might want to use. Capture One does. There's some others that will read the format. It is open. It is something anybody who wanted to could, but they're not very incented for that anyway. Everyone feels like Adobe really wants this standard for their own purposes. I don't see a lot of post-processing software vendors wanting to support DNG. I could see them maybe having a utility to help you migrate, convert your DNG to some other file format, probably TIFF, but I really, it, it does seem like a really serious con. And I, I recognize that Adobe at least listed it here, even though they backpedaled and was like, this really isn't that big a deal. I think it could be, it, it limits your choices. So I'd either say recommend keeping your raw files around and just process off the raw if uh, you're worried or, or you think you at any point may change to a different post-processing software than Lightroom and Photoshop. Um, but I guess if you keep both around, that's kind of what I've done, just playing around with them lately. I'm keeping both around for right now, just trying to decide exactly what I want to do with it. But it could be a pretty serious con. Okay, the next one is backup DNG metadata changes. And if this one's hard to understand, so give me a second, I'll, I'll roll with it here. In fact, I want to read the first line of the blog post because I think it, it starts down the path of explaining it and I'm going to add my own commentary. So it says, if you save edit changes to the DNG files, this will slow down the backup process because the backup software will have to copy a complete DNG file instead of just the XMP sidecar files. And you probably still don't get it. Okay, so there's an option in Lightroom so that when every change you make, every move of the slider, every time you put down a, a filter, gradient filter, or, or uh, an adjustment brush, it can write out something called XMP sidecar files alongside your raw file or JPEG file. So it names it the, the beginning, the start of the file name, the part before the extension is exactly the same as whatever file you're editing. And then it has .xmp, it changes the extension, and that's a sidecar file. It's all of the changes that you're making in Lightroom. And personally, I recommend turning this off. I think it slows down Lightroom really, really badly. And I think it does better. Lightroom just, it performs better with this option off. I know Jim Harmer and a lot of others have suggested turning it on, so you're going to have to make up your mind. It can be kind of nice that you can send like the image and the sidecar file to someone else. You can email them just the two, and they'll, they'll get all of your edits that you've made. So that's kind of nice. Or if for some reason your catalog gets corrupted in Lightroom, you have all the sidecar files so that you can go just create a new catalog, bring in the, the images, and the sidecar files will be there, and you'll be able to restore it. I've never had a problem with my Lightroom catalog. That part of it at least seems very stable at this point. I think it used to be a bigger problem. So I personally turn this off anyway. But if you have it on, one of the things that you may have benefited from was the, we're talking about like automated backup, which we highly recommend at Improved Photography, that you need to have some kind of backup in place. Hard drives are a ticking time bomb. It will fail, no matter what kind it is, if it's a normal, um, a normal magnetic hard drive or an SSD, it will fail. It's only a matter of time. They do not last forever, they die. So having the backups happen, and, and it really needs to be automatic. If you want more information on that, you should go check out my article at improvephotography.com called uh, Storage Workflow. And I talk about kind of what the options are and how to set up and the things that I recommend for backing up your photos. 
So the, now this, the topic, how does this fit into that? So if you have the backup setup and hopefully your raw files get backed up pretty quick anyway, and your, your backup solution, whatever it is, we'll see them and it'll start backing them up. And it can take a long time, especially if cloud is part of the backup, that will really take a long time to get those massive raw files backed up through the internet to your cloud storage provider. And so the, the benefit here of having this XMP sidecar file would be it's tiny. It's really, really small. It's so small, it's insignificant. You, you wouldn't, it's not really adding much at all to like the hard drive space required for your photos. So then when you make changes in Lightroom, let's say you, you emptied your card just before you go to bed for the night. You had a long photo shoot, you come home, you empty your, your memory card, you put it on your computer, that night your backup software sees the new raw files and automatically puts them out in the cloud and maybe even to a, another hard drive in your office or something. And it, that's all done. You get up in the morning, it's all fully synced, it's great. I don't know how well it will work for that people, but let's just say that's how it went. <laughs> this is not a discussion about backup. All right, so you're done. Now you go into Lightroom and you're changing things. If Lightroom, if what you did was import your files as DNGs, as you're changing things, it even if you have the option selected to write the files out, it's not going to with DNG. It's going to write those changes to the DNG file. And when your backup software goes to look at your directory then where you've got all of your files stored, yeah, it's gonna see it's different, so that's good. As long as it looks at file size and checks maybe the signatures of the files, it should see that the DNG file got changed and sync that up to the cloud or sync that to your other hard drive. But it's gonna to have to do the whole file over again, not just the little tiny XMP files that are next to it. And that's what this con is. Backups can really take a much longer time if that was kind of the workflow that you were going through. Hopefully that made sense. All right, so those are the cons that Adobe listed. Now, I don't know about you, but that does not help me <laughs> I'll decide. I've been through the pros last week, we just went through the cons, and it's, it's still kind of ambiguous to me, I think, about whether or not you should do DNG. I think the compatibility with other programs kind of locking you into the Adobe thing that feels really bad to me. It feels really like I don't want to do that. I don't want to be locked into some kind of software. If something else really takes over and Capture One is really coming on strong right now, then why would you want to be trapped into that? Why would you want to make it so that you could do it? Now you could go manually, like load these up into Lightroom, export them all as TIFFs without even editing them, the DNG files, and get them converted, and make it so you can actually do it in Capture One. Actually, Capture One reads DNG files. But I don't know that I want to limit my choices, so it's, it's a tough decision. Now, before I tell you kind of where I'm landing on this right now, after having gone through and researched this a bit more, and, and even played around with it since last episode, I've spent some time going through a shoot where I actually copy them to DNG files to use them in Lightroom. Let's go over the myths part, because that's it's also very interesting and something that you should consider. All right, so myths. This would be something that I would say what Tom's addressing is, these are, are things people usually say are cons to using DNG, and he's trying to tell you that's not a con. It's not a problem. So the first one that he lists as a myth is that people think converting to DNG changes the raw data. And he's assuring us it's not. 
In fact, the DNG format, he says in the post, is based on the TIFF 6 spec. So it's what it's doing is he's arguing standardizing the raw format. So you're not losing any data. It does have to translate it a little bit. It has to put it into a different format, but the data is all there. You still have every bit of data that your camera took from the sensor and put into the raw file is all still there in the DNG. It's just in a slightly different format. It's something that they had to change because DNG has a specific format that it needs to be in, but it's all there. In fact, the last two lines that he had in the post on this particular myth was, he says, the ability to read the raw data on a DNG is therefore only limited by the implementation of the DNG spec. When a DNG file is read correctly, the result will be identical to reading the proprietary raw format version the DNG was converted from. So he's saying if as long as the the post-processing software that you're using knows how to properly read a DNG file, that should be identical as far as the amount of data that's there as what was there in the original raw file. And I agree. I agree that that's true. As long as it's implemented correctly. The problem is Adobe's always going to be able to say, well, the DNG reader in that that software that's not ours is not good. Ours knows how to do it. Ours knows how to read a DNG file. And you're really kind of locked into it. And again, that's just not a place I really want to be. All right, another myth. DNG converts your files to an Adobe standard color profile. And what he's getting at here on this one is it's not the process of making it into a DNG that causes the Adobe standard color profile. It's the default setting in Lightroom. In Lightroom, you have a place where you can go and configure what kind of color style, color profile you want it to use with raw files. And it applies to DNG too. By default, if you don't touch anything, everything is automatically set in Lightroom to use the Adobe standard profile. Even if you are using Canon, Nikon, uh, Fuji, whatever raw, whatever camera system you're using and the raw files are coming in, as you, as Lightroom is interpreting those raw files, it's called demosaicing, uh, it, it uses a specific color profile, it uses a camera profile, and it's set to Adobe standard by default. So if you want to change it, you have to go change it to something else. And it's no different whether it's the raw format or the DNG format, it's the same. So that's what they're saying. It's not really a con. It's not really a problem. If you want a different profile, you go change Lightroom to use a different profile. And even with DNG files, it will do that. The camera data, it knows the DNG file includes the metadata. It knows what camera, what lens, what settings. It knows all of that stuff. So if you want to set up Lightroom to look at the DNG file at the metadata and say, oh, this is the uh, Canon 70 Mark II or the Canon 5D Mark III or the Nikon D800, uh, use this specific profile with that camera when that when that metadata is in the file. It'll do that. All right, another myth. The DNG conversion process converts the raw data to something that works best with camera, raw, and Lightroom, which means other programs are unable to interpret the raw data. We've already kind of talked about this one. It's a fear I have. And they, <laughs> they make sure to draw out again. Capture one can read DNG files. But I can just see them saying, but... Boy, does Lightroom read them better. <laughs> or Lightroom reads them faster, which they've already said was a pro that that makes Lightroom work faster. I, I struggle on this one. Yes, it's an open standard. And yes, 
anyone should be able to create post-processing software that reads DNG files just as well as Lightroom and Adobe. And they probably could, probably do. They probably do a great job with it because all of the information is out there and available. Anyone should be able to do that. But I still just worry that Adobe's always going to be on the side of saying ours is the best DNG file reader. And that's why others don't really want the DNG file format to become popular or standardized. They're, they want DNG to not go. There's just, it's business. It only makes sense that no one else would want that to work. Uh, so I struggle with this one. It's standard. It should work. I just worry about it. Okay, another one. It's not a good idea to convert J, JPEG images to DNG. And I thought, why would you do that? <laughs> when I was reading this one, I'd never even thought of trying to wrap JPEG files inside of a DNG file format. You could, as you go to import files, if they're J JPEGs, the import dialog box still has copy as DNG as the option. So you can convert JPEGs, which really kind of with JPEGs, it means you're just going to wrap the JPEG file inside of a DNG format. You could do it, but would you want to? And the argument here about it had to do more again with kind of having your edits inside the DNG. So here's the scenario where it could be a helpful thing. If you bring in a JPEG into Lightroom and you do some magic in Lightroom and you adjust some sliders and you really make the JPEG look a lot better and you want to share that with someone else, well, you have the option of doing the sidecar files again. You can do the XMP sidecar files and you can send them across. But if you only shared the JPEG, they wouldn't have any kind of information about what you did with the edits. In fact, when you export the JPEGs out of Lightroom, a whole bunch of inf metadata information can be stripped out. It's lots of options in Lightroom to do that. And they may not even know what camera you took the picture with anymore. They, uh, there's a whole bunch of things that could be lost there. So they're saying, yeah, you, you know, DNG was actually designed as a raw alternative. It was designed to make it so that it is something that is going to be common between every kind of camera, and they really hope that that could be a, like a, a proprietary RAW file replacement. But you can use it with DNGs, or sorry, with JPEGs. I'm not convinced. I don't think I'd ever do this. Your files would end up bigger. Uh, I don't see a huge advantage to it. Uh, I'm not buying the argument there. So I don't think I'd ever consider converting my JPEGs to DNG files. That just seems kind of silly to me. Of course, I'm never going to shoot JPEGs either. I want the raw data from the camera. There's so much more flexibility that I do that. All right, so now what's the final verdict? What? Where is my position on DNG files? I've played around with it since last episode, especially because Adobe says that Lightroom is faster if you use DNG files. So with my last photo shoot, I imported all of the photos and copied them to DNG. I kept the originals because I wasn't sold yet on DNG, but I was willing to be convinced to do a lot more with DNG if Lightroom was like dramatically faster. If I could notice a difference, then I would do it. In fact, my plan was I'll just keep both. I know I recommended not keeping both earlier, but I'm not worried at this point that I'm going to run out of drive space. A lot of pros probably would. It's just not feasible to keep around those files. In fact, it's not feasible to keep around the non-keeper files. 
they have to, after a photo shoot, they need to go delete the files, like just remove them from their hard drive of the non-keepers, the ones with eyes closed or bad exposure settings or whatever makes it so they're not keepers. Um, they, they have to go get rid of those because they cannot keep that kind of data around for a long, long time. There's just way too many photos and it eats up drive space so fast. I'm not in that situation. I don't have that problem. So my plan was, well, I'll try this out. I'm going to keep the raw files. At, it came out of my Canon 70 Mark II and I'll try the DNG files. And I went through a whole photo shoot and did the edits. I didn't notice a dramatically faster difference. My computer is a fast one. I use a PC that is custom built and maybe I have it tuned up enough that there's not much of a difference between raw and, and DNG, which is actually something Tom said in his article. If you have a really fast computer, you may not even see the difference. So I didn't, which means I don't have any reason to do DNG. I'm not worried about the future where I might not be able to read my raw files right now. I have a very modern camera right now. I'm on Creative Cloud. So my camera raw and my Lightroom is being updated continuously with the new profiles so that it knows how to interpret the raw files. I don't have a compelling reason to do the copy to DNG. Uh, in particular, I don't want the overhead involved in the import process. It's slow enough already. There's no way I want to add more time when there's no benefit. I don't see a big benefit to having the DNG files uh, on my hard drive. It's just not there. So I personally am not going to do DNG. I'm going to continue importing my Canon CR2 RAW files into Lightroom and post-processing them there. Maybe I can be convinced to do a different software package too, a Capture One. But for now, Lightroom, not DNG. Hope you liked the episode. I hope it helped and that you can make your own decision. I'd love to hear your feedback out on Facebook. Let me know if you've decided how you've decided you're going to do. If you are going to use DNG, if you've been using DNG, or if you're not going to use DNG, let me know. It's an interesting conversation to have, but uh, that's where I ended up on it. Also, be sure to go over and visit improvephotography.com. We've got constantly updated content over there, news, gear, and other photo tip articles. It is the best way to improve your photography. The views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of Improved Photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!